Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also brought to you by First State Bank, Martin Supermarkets, Gate Chevrolet in South Bend, and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Tim Grau State Farm Insurance, Centier Bank, Weaver Heating and Cooling, Pet Refuge, Sherwood Tire, Floor Coverings International, and Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. It's another fantastic home game atmosphere at the center of Eddy Street Commons. We're located between Brew Burger Bar and Urban Outfitters, right across from Five Guys. Jim's mouth's already watering for the food. Irish fans are out and about doing their pregame activities and their tailgatings. Just going to have some plain good fun. I was out on the campus last night. Central Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. It was electric. Thousands of people uh, out there. It's going to be a great day. Lower 70s for the temperature. We got a little jacket on right now. but a, good yeah, a little hoodie. Yeah, a little hoodie. Get, get started for the day. Today, your ninth-ranked Fighting Irish take on the Chippewas from Central Michigan University. This is game number four for your 3-0 and Fighting Irish. We look for a repeat of the balance on contributions from both the offense and the, and the defense. We're going to talk about today's game and the players, and we're going to get a lot of stories and memories from today's guests. All, all former Notre Dame players, Reggie Brooks, Jim Sanson, Peter Chivarelli, and Bob Morton. I'm Tim Growl, along with Matt Embry back in the studio. we got Bob Henning, our engineer here. And uh, 1999 Indiana sportscaster, our account executive, Brian Miller. So we got all sorts of people here. But well, let's get the most important persons, my co-host, and the master of ceremonies from the official Notre Dame postgame show, Jim Arizari. It's all Reggie, really. Hey. It's, it's, it's all Reggie's energy on the, on the postgame show. So <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. Hey. So. <laughs> You you know enough of stuff. And I did, oh, I didn't say Leprechaun Luncheon every Friday from 12 to 1. Everybody should listen that to true. that prior to the game. And we you know wanna, next week. If you want to hear me babble for an uh, hour. Hey, hey, the little song and dance going on, right? <laughs> exactly. So we're available right now, obviously, at 960 AM WSBT. Also streaming at WSBTradio.com and the free WSBT radio app. And we are on audio on Twitch today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't see our ugly Should faces. Should be anyway. <laughs> next week in the studio, or two weeks in the studio, you can see us on, on Twitch too. So, <laughs> But the next two weeks, merciful, That's right. <laughs> merciful break. That's right. So. That's right. So just a little uh, flavor from you on, on uh, today's game, and then we'll get with Reggie. Um, it's going to be one of those games, I think. going to be one of those games that uh, should be over early um, just because, you know, it's a Mac school. So, it you know. There's obviously a talent disparity. Uh, that said, whenever I say Mac school, I, I also think back to when Ball State rolled through here and, and gave Notre Dame a game. True. So, 
Yep. You know, they got to stay on their P's and Q's, but uh, I, I think I think this is going to be another good tune-up for uh, for next week. I think let's let, let's br bring in All American and Executive Director of Holtz's Heroes and author uh, Reggie Brooks. Good morning, Reggie. There we go. Am I, am I, am I, there, I'm there you go. Okay. No, so let's, let's go. Let, let me ask you right off the bat. It seems like every other game people are saying it's a trap game. Every other game is a trap game. How do you look at that today? It's only a trap game if you're not taking care of business through the course of the week. You know, a lot, a lot everybody sees Saturday, but what was the preparation like over the course of the week? And, you know, the ability to stay disciplined and the ability to focus and go one game at a time. Because – Everybody's talking about Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Ohio State this, Ohio State that. No, this team has to focus on Central Michigan. And and, and I know Jim mentioned the Mac school. Yes, you may have talent disparity, but if you don't have a, a, a focus and a, a self-discipline, that's when it becomes a trap game, is when you don't take care of business and do the things that you need to do from a preparation standpoint. And that's where I see the difference in this team this year to last year mm -hmm. is, you know, they're taking, they're doing what they need to do against the teams they need to do it, do it against right. at, at the level. They're playing not to the level of their opponent. Which they used to do for exactly. a number of years, right? So yeah. they're playing to their level. And, you know, how do they – and they, and they continue to grow. Because, like, last week, that was an ugly game. I mean, you know, they won, but they were not as sharp, especially offensively. Because, right. you know, North Carolina State, good defense have talent, and they were given this problem. But it was just great to see how they, they worked through it. You know, the defense picked up the offense until the offense could get into a rhythm and really, you know, put points on the board. So that's, that's, that's the difference I see in this team this year to last year was discipline, you know, and the focus and the attention to detail that's going to help you continue to win football games. What's I still get blown away by the fact that they can make adjustments, too, real quick. Well, yeah. I think that's what we've – another thing that I've seen that's been different than a number of other years, almost like we'd go in at halftime and we'd make the wrong adjustments or no adjustments. But, you know, coming out from that rain break and going to an unbalanced line right away and then scoring, that's the game changed, yeah. literally. And, and, and the ability to adapt. And when they went down, we answered every challenge mm -hmm. given when, you know, we had – I think it was like three penalty, defensive penalties in a row, which right. we're not going to go into that. That's oh, I'm, I'm sure they heard about that this <laughs> yeah. week of practice. <laughs> well, no, it was but a couple of penalties were like – A couple of them were real – Really bad. Uh, they yeah. were very yeah. suspect. Yeah. And, and you know, me and Jim, we go on about the, the whole officiating <laughs> – the, the conference officiating thing. So, we'll, 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 we'll live that for another we'll, day. Yeah, we'll touch on that at another time. Right. But, we'll touch on that in about seven hours from now. But when – and this is where – the de the offense picked up the defense because they you know got them in they you know were, were able to score. Offense came right back, put points on the board to nullify you know what just happened, and that that energizes your defense to say, hey, you took care of us that first half. Hey, now it's our time to reciprocate, and that's that balance you have offense and defense where there's a complement to. You know, when you have those quick changes like that where you get a quick you know, quick strike, they were like boom, 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 they're yeah. down and in, in, in getting the end zone. That's, that's a bit demoralizing, especially when you have, you know, uh, you know, offense that had been having some struggles. But to see that offense go right back down there, put points on the board, it, it helps the defense say, hey, we just got to regroup and reassess and let's go. And, and they came back, 
stopped him the next drive, and boom, it was, the game was over at that point. How about that? You've, you've been on teams that played two-minute drives, but I was looking at the stats. In three games, in about two and a half minutes, he's thrown, Hartman's thrown for 14 out of 17 for 286 yards. I mean, that other day they went 70 yards like in, in 38 yeah. seconds. Blink yeah. of an eye. <laughs> and that, again, execution. And, and the ability to have, you know, you got a quarterback that can, he's accurate. And it, it, it just blows my mind that I'm watching him. I can literally look at his head and see him going through his reads and how he's processing information. And that's the thing about football. It, you re, you, it requires the ability to process information quickly and to respond. And that's whether your offense and defense. Offense is more, you know, analytical. Defense is more reactionary because you're reacting to it. To a to a, a stimulant, mm -hmm. but with offense, when you get into that rhythm and the ability to, to get into a rhythm, and what I mean by that is to be able to run plays, execute plays, in 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 the manner in which you you did it in practice. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have cha your change where things you know people do do different things, right? The ability to adjust to what they're doing, it's been remarkable to see with this team offensively how they adjusted, because when. Man, the tight end came back. It, yeah, look at that. It was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they're doing and it in different ways. And now for our way. secret weapon. Yeah. yeah, and they're doing it in different ways. You see, like I said, big runs by the backs, you know, and it, it still amazes me just watching Audric. This kid is like, yeah. you know, you're looking, he's like, I mean, outside of the big run, yeah, he didn't, he, he's right. over 100 yards. He's like, whoa, yeah. when did that happen? And, and what they say, he was clocked at 21 miles an hour, which yeah. was one mile short of the NFL they're Big man moving. Yeah, right. Big a totally different moving. thing. The other guy in the NFL is a little little guy, and he's yeah. Yeah. You no. don't want to get hit by that. Exactly. <laughs> get that coming downhill. It wouldn't be a pretty sight. That but hot it's dog just, power, man. It's yeah. just. Lo <laughs> <laughs> it, it was oh, just fun. I heard watching. It was kill bosses. What I heard. Hey. Either or, yeah. <laughs> Some sort of tubed meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, I'm gonna think of that. I'm eating a hot dog today. That's not too good. All right. This is the Legacy Eating Air Game Day show on 960 WSBT. We're talking with the former great Notre Dame All-American running back, Reggie Brooks. So, running back committee, five. And I've talked I've, I've talked to you in other years and Alan Pink and other ones. You guys want the rock. You know what? But did you have on when the teams you played on, you know, we remind have, us how many yes. backs you had in the stable. We were more of, you know, distribution because, you know, I was there with Jerome, uh, my brother, Rodney Culver, I mean, even Dorsey Levens was there for for a uh, couple of years, and you know Anthony Johnson, Rocket even ran. It was in the backfield. Right. So Lee Beckton, Ray Zellers, man, name dropper, name dropper, name man. dropper. I just that talent on your team just blows my yeah. mind. And you see, and all those guys, you know, made it to the next level. And it wasn't because we had a, a ton of carries, and and you know, we we because like when Pinker was here. You had that single back, you know, one guy running. You know, <laughs> right. down pick here. a left, pick a right. Right. And, you know, Greg, so we were more of a, you know, back, running back by committee, and it was more about the production. And, you know, I had the uh, opportunity over the summer to talk to Coach McCullough, and, you know, we talked about it. It's like, that's what the, in a, in a, the NFL is more concerned with productivity. What do you do with the carries that you're given? Can you, are you a fast starter? So, and that was, like I said, we we fit that mold, and so does this backfield now, because you're hungry to get the ball, but you also understand that, hey, 
I have so many carries in my career. Mm -hmm. So if I'm carrying the ball 30 times a game in college, I'm your legs. Those those are carries that, you know, I'm losing when I go to the next level. It's like losing tread on your tire, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. So when you have less carries but you're productive and you can still, you know, get to that next level, those are the carries that you can carry to that next next level. Mm -hmm. And but you know. I look at like yards per carry. That's what to me is a trademark of a good running back. What do you do with the carries that you're given? Right. Are you able to manufacture yards falling forward? Are you getting positive yards on a consistent basis? And it translates into, you know, five and a half, six yards. I think estimates he was nine at yeah. <laughs> over nine in the last right. game. Right. And right. that's that's impressive in the, for young men that size to move that well, but to be productive, and and as well as the other uh, other running backs, and there's not not a lot of animosity. And again, in, in talking to Coach McCullough, that's what he's you know relaying to these young men because he coached in the league, so he knows what mm-hmm. what they're looking for at the next level. And he said, "Hey, this is for your benefit because you only have." And, Everybody knows it. Everybody's into that. Yeah. You only yeah. have so many carries. So mm-hmm. you need to maximize the ones you get here. And we're, we're going to keep you fresh, too. Because, again, you got guys coming in, and it provides a bit of a change of pace against the defense. But it also gives the next guy, he's hungry to get the ball, mm-hmm. to say, hey, I want to show what I can do. Right. And you just see it constantly as those guys come in. They're going after it because, again, they want to show, hey, I just saw what Audric did. Hey. Darian Price, what you got? So it's about being competitive. Not You're not competing against each other. You're competing with each other. How do we make each other better? And that was one of the great things about the backfields I was a part of. We made each other better because we pushed each other to be better. This is, do you subscribe to what I've been hearing, uh, that this is the fastest and deepest team that we've had in a long time? Definitely the fastest, and the depth is much, much better, especially on the defense. Right. And the experience level. Mm-hmm. You know, on the offensive line, it's not – I mean, the, the two tackles are doing good. Got to get a little more out of the, the you know the guards in the center. But you have a lot more experience on the defensive side of the ball at every level. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm looking for this game is to see if our um, front seven – can finish and get more sacks because right. that's going to be a huge hmm. indicator going into next week because you're playing a, a, a mobile right. quarterback. Can we corral him and still get, get in there and get him on the ground? We're forcing a lot of hurries and yeah. changing their plans, right. but we're just not getting the sack. Right. Bertrand out, you know, who takes over the signal calling and uh, – well, that's really the main thing, really. Like, who probably takes over Kaiser, the, right? Yeah, probably Kaiser, Kaiser. right? Or, or I would Leofau? think so. I would think yeah. it would be Kaiser. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's go back in, in your career. Can you remember a game or games that we were talking previously about how the Irish turned adversity and made adjustments at halftime of a game that you guys just wasn't going well in the first half? And you made some adjustments. I know I'm asking, you yeah. know. It, it, I was against Navy, you okay. know, because – Again, you only have so many opportunities. That's, that's to what they, yeah. Offensive opportunities. So you had to maximize those. So if early on, if you know, I think it was like so we were that we only wind up winning like uh, twenty-two to six or something. But 
it was just we couldn't get get on track because again navy is going to be aggressive and they're going to continue to come at you and if you we're young men and i know this can happen to any team you go to look and it's like looking ahead and i think we had a, a bigger like a penn state or a bigger opponent coming up and you I won't say overlooked, but you kind of like sleepwalk through it, and then it's like you get punched in the mouth. And like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I guess they want to play a game. Well, I guess we're right. gonna have to play football. Huh. And you, you, you kind of these pads, yeah. Are for. It kind of wakes you up yeah. to say, okay, let's let's get yeah, going. let's get serious and, mm-hmm. and, and get after. It. Um, no, the, the bigger game was Pitt, and, and coach woke us up on this one. So we were playing Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, my senior year, and the first quarter we're struggling offensively we couldn't move the ball and coach took out the entire starting offense wow put in the backups down there and scored <laughs> woke us up real quick yeah slap across the face yeah and it was like i said uh, uh it was a pass from kevin mcdougall touchdown to Derek mays mm-hmm. and so we're on the sideline it's like that's still a hell of a play right yeah. there yeah. as far as talent goes but but it goes like, <laughs> yeah. like he, the entire starters all right, yeah. get get out, <laughs> yeah. backups get, and we immediately like okay, we we got to step this up, and right. we went on and rolled. But it it you know we had to you know that was our wake up call is like you can be replaced, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That's a that's a great motivator when you got guys behind you that will quickly take your place and keep on moving and get it done. So it's like well, I want to play too, so I, we better make sure when we get back out there. We make sure we do it and do it the right way. Absolutely. Tim and Jim with former Friday Irish running back and current executive director of Holtz's Heroes, Reggie Brooks. You mentioned Kevin McDougal. I think he's one of the most unsung quarterbacks and kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, what he did in, the, in that year, and, and we still should have won the national championship. Yeah. You know, I was at that Boston College game when we were flatter than a dog and he brought, marched us all down the field and stuff. But would you agree he's like one of the most underrated quarterbacks? I, again, for the guys that played with him, He's not underrated, mm-hmm. but it's just for whatever reason, he does not get nearly the the praise that he he deserves. I mean, K Mac was one of the smoothest quarterbacks in the pocket. He could move, he could get outside the pocket, delivered a great ball, and you know, in terms of leadership, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever been around in terms of his ability to lead. And guys followed him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about just the offense. Defense. The defense. It's like he's our guy. Mm-hmm. And that ma- makes such a big difference. And I, I get that sense with this team. Like Sam Hartman is a leader. Mm-hmm. He didn't come in here saying that he's a leader. He came in and showed that he's a leader. And you lead by example and being willing to say, hey, this is not about me. This is about us. And K-Mac was one of the best at getting guys to buy in, if you will, to say, hey, we're a team. I'm, I'm one of the boys. So, you know, quarterbacks are always kind of like, you know, viewed as this prima donna. Right. Diva mentality. Yeah. 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 Th- that's that, – K-Mac, he was with was the fellas, whether it was the one of the boys, guys. Yeah. And you had a connection to him yeah. that said, hey, you know, I'm going to follow this guy no matter what. 
that connection kind of transcended like off the field too. Oh sure. Like everybody got behind KMAC. I remember yeah. that. I remember yeah. that team. I was just like, that's my guy. Yeah. That's my guy right there. Period. Yeah. I, need, I need your your help. He hasn't been on the show about twelve or thirteen years. I need your help. We got to get him on. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. He so. hasn't been back here. Ho- away game on the yeah. phone. Yeah. No, I'm talking about just. <laughs> We that's been my drive is to get him back on campus. I think it was in Florida last time I yeah, talked. Yeah, still that? in Florida. Okay. okay, and it's like, dude, we got to you got to come back. And that's one of the things that you know, I, you know, working with Hoaxes Heroes is like, dude, we need you back here because we are doing this, not right. individuals, but we are. Hey, Matt, you got that cut for me? Tips left. That is right. That's the snowball game. So you want to remind everybody a little bit about what the elements and what was going on playing Penn State? <laughs> that was the craziest game because it was like sleet, rain, snow. The sun came out for a minute. <laughs> it was kind of like the Clemson it, game last it year. It was still cold as all get <laughs> yeah. out, but it was like, like literally you had every form of weather in one single game. And, I again, yeah, probably the – it was actually the second coldest game I've been a part of. We played yeah. Navy here one time. Oh, oh my gosh. It was brutal. <laughs> my, my junior year, we played Navy here. Which is worse about Navy because you're on the bench a lot because they're yeah. controlling. So yeah. it's and I almost, <laughs> almost burnt my foot off in some of those, those heaters. Heater. <laughs> <laughs> it was just freezing. That would not have been a good coach. I can't come in. I don't. My right foot's gone. But Who's that, giving me the hot foot? <laughs> that, <laughs> that game was freaking phenomenal. And I always remember eight Aaron Taylor – because this is when, you know, we start, had the TV deal, mm-hmm. and they would do the TV breaks. Right. And I hated those because, you you know, you have the quick change. You think <laughs> you want to get, get into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, like, right in the middle of a drive, right. TV timeout. Ugh. <laughs> like, what? And I'm, I'm shivering. And big AT wraps me up, giving me a bear hug, warm me up. Uh-huh. And they say, that's that brotherhood. It's like right. we're, you're always looking out for your guy. That's and more that's just a – survival instinct yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Anything really. laughs> but it was just it was just awesome you know and, and then the, I remember after that uh, you know that drive go down we score two-point conversion and it, <laughs> it makes no sense but like I always enjoyed having the fans like right on the edge of the, the and boy they the were game. that day yeah <laughs> and it was but that was that connection you had with the fandom and you know like that was a part of – they were a part of the game. You weren't primary on that, right? Oh, I wasn't no, even you, second. You're like the third or fourth <laughs> I, w- I wasn't even an option, to be honest with you. I was not even an option. Because I remember you telling me before, you weren't the best at catching the ball, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you again. I, I was fine catching. I just didn't wear my contact. That's right. That's right. In practice. Right. So, I didn't catch a lot of balls in practice. But every ball that was thrown to me in the game, I caught. So including that 2.1 in the snowball. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, give, give us, uh, before we let you go, uh, let's talk about uh, Holtz's Heroes. So uh, the mission and how people can get more information. The mission is, and again, people like, well, you know, because we help former student athletes that are struggling through various difficulties, whether it's mental health, physical health, you know, addiction, um, and, you know, financial situations as well as we have a scholarship that, you know, give scholarship to 
needy young people, and we do a lot in our communities where we are. So we're all over the country. I mean, we got guys coast to coast, but it's about giving back and showing people that you care. So it's the mission is to, to do what's right, show people you care, and do the best you can. And that seems very simplistic, but that's life. You do the little things the right way and do it for others, it comes back as a blessing to you. And that's what we encompass to do to say, hey, we have former players across the country in your community. And when you lose a community member, it has a major impact, not just on you know, the school that they went to, but on that community that they were a part of, on their families. You know, we're very big on families. We have the, our spouses are very in, involved, are a part of the foundation, as well as our, our, our children. But our communities are what is our, is our strength. We look at our community as our team. Mm -hmm. And Coach always said, you know, you can, you know, players come and go, but teammates are forever. And that means from cradle to grave, we're going to be there to support you, help you, and but also hold you accountable. Right. And you can help, like I said, going after Hoaxes Heroes Foundation, hoaxesheroes.org, uh, and just making a donation. You can give it to the scholarship, you can give it to the food drive, or you can give it to the Bobby Satterfield Fund that supports former players that have found themselves in, in difficult times and allow them to build them back up and reintegrate re them into the, their respective communities. Just sounds like brotherhood to me. Yes. Right. I want to make sure. Are you Jim? This is what's great about calling people. I don't know, I don't know anybody until I see him. Jim Sands, I just want to make sure you're here. But one more qu uh, question, or just a, a couple of words or whatever, about a couple of people we've lost in the last year, Ross Browner and Tony Roberts. Man. That, the Ross Browner one really got me because I had just seen him not too long ago. He, was in Na you know, he lives in Nashville. But it was more of the impact that it had on his wife yeah. and, his, and his teammates. You know, and that was just – it, it, you want it didn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. And then you look at Tony Roberts, and, you know, <laughs> he used to call my games. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. know. And it's just like, you know, and I talked to him back in the spring because mm -hmm. we were trying to get him to come to our – we had a, a fundraising event in Naples, and he just couldn't make it. Right. And the next thing I'm hearing is he's gone. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. And, and, and tell, like, one of the – Nicest, right? Quintessential gentleman yep. that you'd ever want to come yeah. come across. But it, it, it speaks to, you know, why they were so valued is mm -hmm. because they were always there for other people. Sure were. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like Ross, like Luke. He'd do anything for anybody and, at any know, time. And he would come yep. at the blink of, a, yep. blink of a hat. Yep. And, you know, that's that brotherhood and that community that's built through them learning to play a game. But it's more than just a game that you mm -hmm. learn. You learn how to be responsible. You learn how to care for others. You learn how to be someone accountable, not only to your teammates, but to your family. And, right. you know, Coach was always talking about being a, 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 you know, a good father, a good husband, you know, and a good, good, good community person in the community. And, you know, somebody we, we also lost, again, that, you know, I have a affinity for, I've always had affinity for, Johnny Lujak. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just with his uh, family uh, last night at the Chivarelli Lounge and got mm -hmm. the opportunity to see them again. But I always remember when Johnny would come back 
his whole focus was on his family. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that Notre Dame spirit. That's that what they talk about is that Notre Dame man. I know that Notre Dame woman. Family first. Yeah. I was fortunate to meet him years ago. And actually, in the game day shows, 51 years, every single Heisman Trophy winner has been on the show, including the guys. When I, when I first started with the show, it was the 40s guys were all coming on the show. And that just keeps changing. Then the, then the 40s and 50s, and then they're gone in the 60s. But just the, the brotherhood that you that you all have and stuff, too. Reggie, thanks for taking time to stop, to stop by. We appreciate it. I know you got a busy, busy day uh, going on. and We're not breaching contract with you having to uh, start and end your day with me. Uh, no, we? no, okay. we're good. We're okay, good. good. It's not a contract, but that's an awful lot to ask. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's only an awful lot if, it, you know, if, if it's something that you, you don't enjoy doing. I, you know. And Jim knows. We, we enjoy hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Always good talking to you guys. Well, I always enjoy having you on the show, and you're very courteous to me by answering my incessant t- texting out looking for guests. So, <laughs> Kevin McDougal and Jerome Bettis, those are two people I've been trying to get on for a number of years. So, have a great day today. Go Irish. Go Irish. We're going to be right back on the game day show with former Notre Dame kicker Jim Sampson on your home for fighting Irish football, 960 W. You've got a Okay, so all this music I pick off for the show, why do I have that song on there right now? You tell me. I, like, Come on, that's so at, fun. At, 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 this point, at this point, you ha- you throw so careful many now, different careful. degrees of, of separation into things. It's just like I, I can't keep track anymore. So Tim Allen graduated from Central Michigan University. The voice of Buzz Lightyear, Toy Story. All right, okay. And we're reaching too far? No, okay. no. A couple other famous love. Like, like it, it's only two degrees. Yeah, you know, so that's okay. only two right, degrees. Okay. Like, you've gone six <laughs> before. So Jeff Daniels went there, too. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Oh, my. Who used to do that call? Dick uh, Enberg. Yeah. Yep, he's from there, too. So I'm just here to give you a little history lesson right. once in a while. I'm glad right. somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're glad to welcome uh, to the game day show a former kicker for Notre Dame. We're going to find out how he got recruited and get some stories and stuff. And he looks like, honest God, if, you, if we had Twitch video here, he looks like he's ready to go play right now. Oh, yeah. he, And not just a kicker position. You know, he, look, he's ready to go. Yeah, he is. So, Jim Sampson. Thanks, how guys. How are you thanks doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. This might be the earliest I've been up on for a Saturday football game I, since, I, since and I think, when I was playing. I know. <laughs> we were talking. We were talking. I said, I got 9 or 925 opening. I'll take 925 so I can sleep in a little more. <laughs> so how often do you get back? You know, I try getting back at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it doesn't happen a lot now with kids and all their sports. Sure. Um, living out in California, it's a far trek. Oh, sure. Um, getting yeah. out here. But uh, I try once a year. We were out here last year again. And uh, just seeing the way this town is growing is just in Notre Dame community. It changes here. every year. I've lived here my whole life, and it's, it's everything. Just Bump so into a new building uh, every year. Yeah. <laughs> right now we'd be standing in a house. Is that where – yeah, well, that's is not it. Is that what was over here? You know, right, okay. I, when I grew up, you could ride a bicycle between the Joyce Center and the stadium and then jump out or jump out of a car and go to the game. I'm, <laughs> yeah. an, old, I'm an old guy. Brian remembers <laughs> those days. They, they covered up that exit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, so, Jim, so tell us um, where you went to high school, and then I want to know who came to recruit you, and then yeah. who on campus as a student took you around. It's actually, a, it's a pretty interesting story. So uh, my, my father was a was a college football coach. Um, so he pretty much 
trained me to play other positions besides kicker. I did kicker kind of just on the side. And <laughs> when did you start uh, kicking though? What? Uh, I didn't. I started kicking probably when I was in third or fourth grade, just mm. on the side. Um, and I was actually getting recruited as as a slot receiver on the West Coast. Uh, a lot of colleges out there recruited me. Um, had offers out there. And Notre Dame didn't come in till probably October. I want to say my senior year. Uh, very different than now. Um, I was at that time. I was I think the number two kicker in the country which shows guys are getting recruited way sooner now than they mm -hmm. were back then. Uh, the other kid, I guess, came in here and had all these demands <laughs> that he wanted to do. Wow, and, a diva, uh, a diva yeah. killer. And so Some things never change. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden after one, one game, uh, we're in the weight room on a Saturday morning, and this guy comes walking in with a trench, uh, trench coat with ND logo on, and everybody in the weight room just froze and didn't know what to do. And is, he, is he here for me? Yeah, and we had a quarterback that was going to Arizona State University uh -huh. and a wide receiver, and they all thought they were going there. And I knew they weren't going to recruit me to be a wide receiver mm -hmm. to come out here. And Coach pulled me in and said, hey, they came here to see you last What coach night. was it? Uh, Mc, uh, McCarthy, McCaffrey. Okay. Um, he was our defense backs coach. Gotcha. Um, and awesome, awesome human being. Mm -hmm. um, but came in and uh, sat down, and we were blown away. We did not expect them to come after him. We'd, I'd offer some other schools around the country to kick, but to be honest, I, I wanted to play football. I wanted to be a wide receiver, and I even had Air Force looked at me as a, as a slot running back. And, um, you know, I came and I was, my recruiting trip was set up, and when I'm getting on my plane to come here on my recruiting trip, my grandfather gave me a, a, a letter. He said, open this up when you get there. And I said, okay, I will. Sure, didn't think anything of it. I opened it up, and it's actually a letter from back in the 1930s, he was recruited to play football in Notre Dame. Wow. Um, back then, they didn't recruit you. They, get, they sent you a letter, and they said, show up on this date. You have a full ride to the University of Notre Dame or you whatever either, college. You either showed up or you showed didn't. Showed up or you didn't. Okay. Wow. His mother never gave him the letter. Oh. She didn't want him to leave home. Oh, oh, man. And so he never came. I opened up here, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I reached out to my dad, and my dad knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a pretty neat story, like that aspect, and kind of really hit home with me. I just sure. feel like, wow, this. And I was a Notre Dame fan growing up as a kid, um, but it was, you know, that that meant a lot. Um, you know, going through the getting, being the only one in the family that knew about that with him. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up going on playing at a small college like St. Joseph's College in, in near Philadelphia, and you know, did that. But you know, I think it was obviously something I always wanted to do was was come here, and um, you know, then I was here and I hadn't really gotten an offer, and we were having breakfast at Holtz's house. And you know, he pulled me in the nook and offered me a scholarship to play here. And me not being the, the savvy guy back then or anything, <laughs> I committed right on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you didn't ask him for what position? No, didn't yeah. ask for anything. Else. I said, you can give me any number you want, I'll, whatever. And uh, what was really cool is right after it, he jumped on the plane and flew back with me to Phoenix because my parents didn't come with me on my visit. He did? He did. Wow. And he met my parents at the airport in, in Phoenix. And uh, so it was funny. Someone was walking around us while he was talking to my mom and dad in the airport, and they're kind of noticing him. He had his low Chicago White Sox Bill hat on. Mm -hmm. Guy walked up, and he's like, "Hey, coach, what happened?" And I forget what game it was. <laughs> and he looks at my dad and my mom, and he goes, "They don't. And he, they don't remember the hundred and whatever games you won. They <laughs> yeah. just never looked at <laughs> That's Lou. It was definitely about a fumble yeah. or yeah. something yeah. like that. Well, yeah. he, he jumped on a flight and <laughs> went and recruited Jason Ching out in Hawaii right after wow. and left. But um, my host here was um, was actually supposed to be Hunter Smith. And Hunter actually great took – Great college, great pro career. Yeah, Whoa. Hunter's an awesome, awesome human being. Um, Hunter took me over to Mike Rosenthal's dorm. Okay. And I ended up hanging out with Mike Rosenthal the rest of the time, <laughs> we, and we had a blast. There's a big guy. 
That's a big guy. Rosie was great, and uh, but walking across campus, you know, they actually they, they gave me a jacket to wear here because I didn't. It was in January. <laughs> sure. It was January nineteenth, and I'm from. We Phoenix. love these stories about people coming <laughs> from the warm weather. I, I'm from Phoenix, and I get off the plane, and they're like, "That's not going to work here." And it was the biggest jacket <laughs> I had, and they gave me this huge jacket. And I, the one thing I always always remember, I tell people this all the time. I've never had my ears hurt as bad as they hurt oh, man. Yeah. walking across the campus to, mm-hmm. to Rosie's dorm. Mm-hmm. And they were just piercing. <laughs> <laughs> so last part of the story really quick is I get back to Phoenix. So I've committed now. And I said, oh, man, I, I can't wait. Um, next week now. And they're like, my dad's like, what do you mean next week? I said, well, next week I'm going to USC. I got my visit there. My dad goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You just committed. You get someone you work. Oh. He goes, we're done, buddy. And I go, oh, I'm like, I want to go to Notre Dame, yeah, but well, I just want to not That's natural, right? <laughs> I want to go to the visit. And he's like, no. He's like, no, you're going to call that coach up right now, and you're going to cancel that visit. And I said, well, and times are different now. People don't do that anymore. That's right. Had your uh, ears come, you know, re- you know return <laughs> yes. circulation by that point? Yeah, or the uh, frostbite had gone yeah, away. Yeah, okay. All right. This is the legacy. legacy you can get a little deep around here. So, <laughs> this is the legacy heating air game day show, and we're with uh, former Fighting Irish place picker Jim Sanson. We're down in, in the center of Eddie Street Commons, in between Urban Outfitters and Brew Burger Bar, and across from Five Guys. So we got clothes, and we got food, and we got drinks. You know why? Shoot, th- you don't want to go to the game, do you, Jim? We'll we just, can be here all day. Where's the cooler? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, kickers have highs, kickers have lows. Um, and you said anything was open to discussion. So take us through a really high performance in yeah. game, which I think might be Michigan might be one of them when we beat them. Not sure, but yep. you take that from there. Uh, we, yeah, we had, a, we had a couple of pretty good highs. Um, I'll say probably the biggest one was probably my freshman year, Texas. Um, mm. You know, I, going to University of Texas and getting a chance to play in a game where, with Keith Jackson is, is as a kid growing up, it's the only voice you ever heard. And That's right. It, it was fantastic going that. And, you know, Lynn Swan Oh, there, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. <laughs> Here's the freshman. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that game was, was, was wild because it was, it was a day game there. My ears had never hurt as much as they hurt in that stadium. It was the loudest, loudest stadium we ever played in. Even like, more than the frostbite. It was, yes. <laughs> but that, that stadium was louder. I tell us everybody, it was louder than LSU. It was louder mm-hmm. than Tennessee. It was louder than Michigan. Yeah. It was loud. They stood for the whole game. They had Ricky Williams in the backfield. I mean, it was. Oh, wow. That I forgot team, about that. It was Ricky yeah. Williams and Priest Holmes were in their backfield. <laughs> that was a wild backfield. Right. And But the place was standing and jumping the whole time. And we, we win, hit the game winner, we come back, and it was a day game. So we got back here at, I want to say, like six, like seven o'clock ish, eight o'clock. And, you know, I was a freshman living in, in Flanner Hall, mm-hmm. and I had roommates that were not on the team because they give you, you know, right. your students that's here, what, which is great. That's one of Nordheim's big thing, right? And you we had like five guys, there was five guys we shared this like three room deal, and get back, and there are signs all over my door. But also open the door, and there's a room full of beer. Oh! <laughs> Probably should be saying that. We're freshmen. You're thinking. I just Statue gotta, of limitations I just, is up. I just got to kick the football. I get all this. <laughs> and it was wild. It was, I mean, it was just, I walked in, the roommates were like, this is amazing. This is mm-hmm. insane. They're like, people have been coming nonstop. And since, remember, we had just gotten to school here. It was in September. Yeah. You know? And so all of a sudden, it went from zero to 100 real fast. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, right after that game, you know, we, we obviously went out and everybody had fun, but then the next weekend um, we had Ohio State, and that was supposed to be the big, huge game, and it was a great game. Um, but I don't know if you guys remember, before the game, that was the time when Jenny McCarthy was 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of a big thing back then. Yeah. And she kind of the thing, I thought. <laughs> yeah. We had we had a private. She's still pretty good looking. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a private team meeting before the pep rally, which was really weird. We never really kind of did that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was over at the Jack, and all of a sudden, they opened the door, and she comes walking in. And we're like, whoa, wait a second. What's going on here? Like, our whole team's in there. And she gets up on the stage, and she's like, hey, where's Jim Sanson? And I'm like, right here. And she's like, why don't you come <laughs> on up here? She gives me a hug. And she's like, hey, guys, for every touchdown or field goal tomorrow you get, I'm going to give you one of these. And she grabs me and kisses me right what? there in front of, right in front of the team. How have I not heard that story over all these years? <laughs> Membership has its privileges, right. apparently. Uh, wow. And, yeah. And, you know, a lot of rumors got around campus. <laughs> just, and you're just, from, <laughs> just from that stupid little moment. And you're a freshman? <laughs> I'm a freshman. Jeez. And you gave me a hug. And they, I reason it's I – mean, we still – and I, I think I still have that picture because they obviously someone took a picture of it of course, and sent yeah. it to me. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was probably the – so that was the, the high, right? right? And so all of a sudden, the season starts going along. And, um, you know, it's, I, I had never just kicked. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always played other positions on the field, never came up the field. And I always think the hardest part for me in being a freshman was, was just sitting around and not doing anything in practice. You know, I tried keeping myself as busy as I could. And we had other guys like Hunter was the same way. He played all these other positions. So we were we tried doing different things. but Only so much you can do. Yeah, and you weren't used to it. And I wasn't used to it. And as the season went along, it, it, I think it started affecting me um, mm-hmm. in, in games and getting – under you know my body and stuff like that and um the way that season ended was we had we had you we were at usc and i guess this would probably be the low um at usc uh we win the game we'd go to the fiesta bowl which is an amazing thing for a kid from phoenix i'm sure yeah. excited yeah. sure and um we we go down and there we score a touchdown and if we kick the extra point we go we go up by i want to say it was like it was a two it would have been a two score two possession okay. game um and I'm running out there, and all of a sudden, um, Ron doesn't run off. Hunter's my normal holder, and Ron stays out there to take the hold. Um, and we end up, I end up pulling the, uh, the kick to the left. And um, come up the field, obviously, they go down. They, they get a touchdown score. We go in overtime. I don't even get a chance to kick, I think we, have it. we turn it over, and they kick the field goal and win the game. Mm-hmm. We don't get to go to the festival. They call it the $8 million miss. Um, I come back. And all of a sudden, it's it's kind of the new world of emails and uh, phone phone whatever the uh, the directory. First of all, there was no beer in your room. Nope. Waiting for nope. you to come. There was, there was nobody there, was there waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but somebody actually came and just yeah. took it. Yeah. But but the other part is, I don't think people were prepared for email and stuff like that yeah. back then yeah. because all our stuff was public information. That's how people knew about it when I hit the game winner. Everybody yeah. knew where I was at. Right. But now it's the opposite, and all of a sudden you get all these messages, and it's nothing different that doesn't happen in any other university or any of the sports team. It's just sports, right? Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you learn that that's what it is, you know. And so um, that was probably the most eye-awakening thing of, of, of big, big college sports was that moment mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, wow, this is a lot bigger than me and just going to play football anymore. Right. And yeah, it puts it in perspective, but, I mean, you know, I think things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, hadn't, I think I had one more other situation, I think, the next year. It was against SC again. Um, I missed three kicks in a game, um, and they benched for their season. I just did kickoffs, um, and at the end of that, I uh, and I was I was at the end of that I was pretty much at a, I was at a pretty low point, and I reached out to my parents. I said, "Look, I'm I'm interested in going to California to go play. I want to go out there. I want to go to UCLA. I know some guys out there. Mm-hmm. I think I can go there." And my dad got on the phone. He's like, "You're not going anywhere." <laughs> He's like, "You're not going anywhere. You're going to win your job back." You're gonna bust your butt. He goes. This is life. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he's like, look, this is a you know, this is an education that 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 you weren't gonna go get, and you know mm-hmm. they they're giving you an op- they gave you an opportunity to go have this moment in your life, and you're gonna get through this, and we're gonna be just fine. He goes, whether you kick another ball there or not again, he goes, you're staying there for the for the for the next two years till you're done, and he goes, that's the way it is, and 
I did, and it was the best thing ever happened to me, obviously. Yeah. I mean, in my junior year was, I think we had two game winners my junior year, and uh, everything was back, you know, the world was back back going. Sure. <laughs> and, but it was just, you know, you, you have your highs and lows. Um, but, you know, I always, I always tell this to people is uh, Notre Dame will, will do a lot to you. It will do a lot for you, mm -hmm. okay, and it will do a lot to you. Sure. Yeah. Okay, and it's and it's how you take it and it's how you accept it. Um, will, will depend on what you get out of this place. Right. Um, it's a very special place to me. Um, I love bringing my family back here and my kids, and um, and hopefully they get to experience it the way I do. And um, you know, it's, it's it's really just an awesome time. But what do you do now? Um, so I um, I run a uh, sports wealth management division. Uh, oh for wow. Company we have over. Uh, over 200 pro athletes in hockey and baseball. Mm -hmm. um, I've been all over the world now with, with guys, especially in baseball. We have a lot of guys from Latin America. So I spend a lot of time down mm. in Dominican, Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico. Um, but That's why he's so well tanned. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> hey, we're only got about 30 yeah. seconds left. You, what about that leg on our, our, our kicker? Oh, my gosh. I mean, he could have made that. He could have gone 60 yards. I, now, I heard I, one of the coaches yesterday said he's kicked 70 yards in practice. Oh, you can tell. He, he's a big kid. Yeah, because that and ball was clear. He's got a cannon, and it's awesome to see. Um, you know, I, I think he will hit one. I think – I was shocked that our record is only 40, 54. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're right. I, yeah, I heard that That too. seemed a little yeah. short, yeah. But, 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 I, but I thought about it, though. Like, we didn't get a chance to try a lot here. A lot of it's because of the weather. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's – I hey, I'm telling you one thing. We were out there yesterday, and I was telling my kids, I was like, I wish I got to kick here with the, when there was turf here. I right, kicked when right. we had potholes yeah. out here. <laughs> one last question. Yeah. Um, straight on kicker or – Soccer style. Soccer. Because the, the record was Dave Reeves, yeah. and he was a straight-on kid. Straight on, and, and he was on a tee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what changes? Wow. What yes. changes? Yes. Hey, Jim, uh, I'd love to talk to you more. And Jim gets tired of hearing me say this, but <laughs> maybe an away game later in the season love we can to. catch up. Yeah, I know that we'll have to match your time yeah. out there and stuff, but we'll catch up with you. We'd love to. I really appreciate you guys having me here. This has been no, awesome. Glad to have you. Please. Awesome. Yeah, Go anytime. Irish. Go Irish. Stay with us. We're back after a short break on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, we're back down here across from Five Guys in Eddy Street Commons in between Urban Outfitters and... Uh, and we're just Rupert playing Toy Story now, uh, you know, for, <laughs> to fill some time. And I just got back on the mic. I didn't hear it. Was that Toy Story again? Yeah. yeah oh, was it? Was, yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. You got something? To... Uh, yeah. Legacy Heating and Air bringing you uh, game day this morning. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. That's one of our sponsors, keeps the show going, as well as your listeners out there. But uh, we got to go to another break because uh, we talked so long with the first two guests, and we'll be right back after another short break. Thank you. And WSBT. And we are broadcasting live in the center of Eddy Street Commons, right across from Five Guys, right between Urban Outfitters and... Uh, the Brew Burger Bar. More and more people are showing up. We get started out earlier. Next week, this place is going to be packed when we are on from 2 to 4 p.m. So we stop by starting at noon to get in line. Yeah, there you go. So uh, as a reminder, next week to uh, open the show, Joe Theismann will be on. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of other guests, uh, which are almost too numerous to list right now because there's a big reunions in town. So put that on your schedule for uh, uh, next week. And we're going to take another short break, and we're going to be back with my good friend and the show's good friend, Peter Chivarilli, on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
And we're back on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. And I promise you, we're not going to another set of spots right away again. We can. Yeah, I know. We got no, a lot of sponsors. <laughs> you know, that speaks well. People want to be on our show yeah. to help us out. So, so we're down here in between Urban Outfitters and uh, Brew Burger. And uh, it's, eh, what is it, four and a half hours till kickoff? Something like that? Uh, right. What time is it? Ten? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, four and a half. So you can just stay with WSBT the whole day today because we're four and a half hours from kickoff. Stay right here because immediately following game day at 11 a.m. will be game day sports beat. That leads into the network pregame show and the game with kickoff just after 2.30 p.m. And it's on Peacock only. So stay with WSBT. Don't you you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Then after the game ends, coverage is not over. Join Reggie Brooks and our own Jim Arizari as they break down the game. All the interviews. What else do you guys do? Uh, you yak a bunch of good yeah, stuff. A lot, of, a lot of stats, a lot of, uh, a lot of highlights, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So, All this is on Sports all Radio. All packed into 90 minutes. That's right. All, all on Sports Radio 960 WSBT via the WSBT Radio Sports app, streaming at WSBTradio.com. And now on Twitch, audio only for home games, but we have audio and video for the away games. So, the first hour goes fast or whatever. It does. Peter, you want to stand or you want to sit? I'll, an... I'll sit. Okay. Our next guest. How do you turn down the chair? That's yeah. right. <laughs> you know, this is what the show does. At my age. <laughs> 51st year of game day, my 24th, but one of the things you get out of doing the show all these years is you develop really good relationships and, and friends uh, Ross Brown and Tony Roberts were two of them that were uh, will be missed by me personally. But Peter Chivarelli, former Notre Dame football player, entrepreneur. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Turn that up. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get old for Peter. We saw him, uh, my wife Chris and our two dear friends, Diane and Sandy. We went out last night, and who do I run into in front of the the uh, the Thousands of people out there at the front steps. Peter. And then we're talking to him for quite a while. And then I see him after we were done talking. He's going around with his phone. And he's still, to this day, recording the, the Notre Dame band and stuff. Peter, it never gets, never gets old for you? No, that's, that's been uh, actually probably my savior. Uh, and that the, fa- the fact that, uh, you know, the average life of most rock bands is about two to three years. We're going into our 57th. Man. So, you know, for me. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you guys blew that out of the water. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and, and again, the thing that I, I mean, naturally I love the football team, but the most dedicated kids who practice more hours than the football team, nobody on scholarship, is the marching band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I've been saying that for years, and you recognized that some years ago and, and developed a program that the football players all took advantage of or, or accepted. Tell us about that. Well, you know, basically every year for, I think it's about 13 years now, uh, I buy the backpacks, which is something they wanted. Uh, they wanted the same kind like the football team. So now we've developed the thing, and Marcus has been just tremendous. Um, he came last year and brought all the captains, and then this year, and then the first Thursday before the opening home game, okay. we pass them out to the kids, and it went over so good. I mean, uh you know, Sam Hartman was there. He was great. Uh, J.D. Bertrand, uh, Cam uh, 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 Hart, the uh, cornerback, and, of course, uh, uh, 
Joe Alt, when I felt sorry for her because all the girls wanted uh, a picture with, the, oh. with Sam. <laughs> Sam had about 200 girls. And the I, I the think, future first-round pick of the NFL. Oh, yeah. yeah, right? It's oh, yeah. the beard. Wow. It's, and, and it's and all a, the beard. Yeah, and, and Marcus is always, you know, just the most – he appreciates the band and, um, you know, he treats everybody so well. And they, you know, they really feel good. I mean, they, uh, I mean, they put everything they got in every show they do for the football team. Mm-hmm. You, you agree? I, I used to live right by the campus, and I would hear them in the morning, and afternoon. So I've been saying for years, they work it just as hard or harder than the band. But not to be lost on that point, those bags and everything—that is Peter Chivarelli's donation to the university. Just one of among many things you do for the uh, university and stuff too. Um, you built a room in. Well, you, you take it away. Well, yeah, it was uh, an idea I had to have a room for the players on Friday night, the former players. And uh, what we do is we open up, <clears throat> and it's a kind of a place where they could come. And it, what's good about it, if they have their kids and they're younger or all ages can mm-hmm. come in there, and there's a small bar if anyone does care for a drink. But uh, mostly they all come just to socialize. And the good thing about it now they actually use it on Saturday morning for recruits. So it's it's turned out to be, um, and, and actually now, uh, Lou Nani told me uh, from Notre Dame that, uh, you know, they have the two banquet halls up in mm-hmm. the uh, stadium, and they host, like, either the big donors or people on the board and everything mm-hmm. on Thursday nights when there's home games. After they finish for dessert, they bring them all down on the elevator into that room. Wow. So I've got all these people in there <laughs> who could buy and sell me with a phone call thinking, <laughs> thinking geez, we go to this guy's room for dessert. <laughs> so he's got to keep things spick and span. <laughs> We're with for, former Fighting Irish player and a good friend of former coach Eric Parsegian, Peter Shiver, really. Tell me why Eric was so special to you, first as, as a player, and then you guys were close afterwards, oh, but yeah. a, as a player. Well, you know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been there. I graduated high school in 63. I had scholarship offers. I never took a visit because I didn't get one from Notre Dame. So I never went to school. I uh, started, I had a good job with the city. I became civil service. I opened up a fast food place, but I used to come down because I knew kids that I had played against on the team. So I used to come down for practices and to the games. And after partway through the first year, he came over and he said, how come you aren't in school? And he must have asked one of the players. They mm-hmm. probably said he didn't go. He goes, I said, no, coach, I'm doing good. I said, he goes, you got to get yourself a degree. And I said, well, you know, I'll He I'll took see. the time to come over oh, on yeah. the sideline. Well, he saw me and he yeah. knew. <laughs> but then the second year, he'd come over and he'd go, you're still, <laughs> you're still not in school. Well, the third year, he comes and he says, darn it, what do I got to do to get you to go to to school? And I said, Coach, this is the only place I ever wanted to go. And and I said, uh, you know, I really, I enjoy coming. I said, I would have loved to have been here. He goes, well, if you want to come that bad, uh, come in and come as a walk-on and try out for the team. Once I heard that, I went back. I gave my fast food place to my parents. I took a leave from the job. I applied and I had good grades from high school at St. Ignatius in Chicago, and I came in, I made the team, and like I say, that's your next week's guest, uh, Joe Theismann, was my buddy right from the beginning. Did so you ever have to go back to the fast food restaurant? 
Oh, yeah, I went oh, back okay. <laughs> years later. No, years later, I opened up another one on DePaul University's oh, okay. campus well, uh, called he is a, I, I mean, that that's a little different than, you know, having to go you back. You look at his resume so. of everything that he's done in his life. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's you know? a long. And uh, he's a humble guy. It doesn't accept all the accolades right. that I put on him, I that's guess. A, that's a long Wikipedia page you got there. Yeah, it is. So. It is. It is. Um, did Era from the High Tower which to me the players have said the voice of God would be yelled down when somebody made a mistake. <laughs> Did Coach Eric Parsegian ever yell down at Peter Chivarelli about oh, yeah. anything? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know. Once he got you in the school, well, you were no, his. It's, it's <laughs> funny. What you're calling the high tower was in those days – football compared to what they have now mm -hmm. they, it, it was like the dark ages yeah right and what the high tower was <laughs> i don't know if you knew what it was it was an old beat-up army truck that didn't run and they put a tower nobody on has it. ever told me that no uh, i did uh, not know that and now when that he wanted safe. to move around when he wanted to move around i was one of the guys that had to push the truck oh I'm you're kidding like, so if he wanted to go down like to the 20 yard line yeah. said you guys had to push the truck well, we moved the truck yeah by, <laughs> so Anyway, Heck with the tire drills and oh the yeah. tackle dummies. Well, I, re I remember, though, uh, my senior year, and I was trying hard to get more playing time and everything. And the funny thing was, um, you know, I uh, I had a really good practice. Uh, I, I did real good. I was playing against our All-American guard, Larry DiNardo, and uh, I had a good day. In fact, I even had, uh, I think, that day two sacks on Joe Theismann, which Whoa. was on our. So usually when that happened, Era would call you in and say great practice and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we uh, were looking to move you up a little bit or something like that. Well, after that, he called me in. And his question to me is, what's wrong with our offensive line? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so, no, we had a, we had a great – we had a, a different kind of rapport uh, the whole uh, – <laughs> The whole four so, years. Tell me, so you say, th did you literally tackle, or would you? Did he have a red jersey on? No, in those days, we, we you know, it, they didn't wear the red jersey. But you know, once you grabbed them, you, yeah, you did, yeah, yeah. you know. <clears throat> and uh, it, it was just kind of dumb luck. I was just fortunate, you know. And I, like I say, I was lucky with everything. Uh, our last game together, Joe and I were sharing lockers uh, mm -hmm. in the Cotton Bowl. We were playing Texas. Who, who were undefeated for right. three straight years. And I remember I was so nervous, and Joe was calm. And I said, Joe, you know, we got to win this our last game. He said, oh, don't worry. Era, uh, at that time, had put in the mirror defense, mm -hmm. which the wishbone was the big thing. Mm -hmm. After that defense went in, it ended. Yes. Yeah. You could stop it. with the And Era worked on that. Jimmy Just, Street was their quarterback, I think, yeah, in Texas, and, right? And, yeah. yeah. And uh, But the funny part was in the game, um, we were winning, uh, the clock is running down, and George Kelly and uh, said, go stand by Era. He told me to send you over before we're ahead near the end. So I went and I stood by him, and he said, uh, as soon as there's a timeout, I'm putting you in the game. He said, I don't want to just call a timeout and put guys in, because at that time, freshmen didn't play. Right. He said, they never lost a game in three years. I don't want to look like we're, you know, so now the clock's running it passes a minute and the referee has to move the ball to the yard marker and I thought it was a timeout 
So oh, I, oh. I went to run out, and I didn't realize he had his play sheet in his right hand, but his left hand was actually on my shoulder pad. Uh -huh. And so when I went to run, he pulled down. No, no. He goes, that, that's not a timeout. So Come back I, here. The, no, the clock starts. The clock starts. There's only 40, 35 seconds left. Uh, they run that last play. Well, you know, I, I would have loved to have been in the game, but I was happy we lifted air up. Right. It yeah. was the best because that picture became famous, yeah. and that's the one when I wanted to do the statue for him. Right. He had 200 photos, and so did the sculptor, uh, 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 Mr. McKenna, and they both picked the same picture without ever talking to each other, wow. and that's the one the statues made. So here I am. I played maybe a total of 10 minutes in my career, <laughs> and I'm in a, I'm in a <laughs> statue at Notre Dame. <laughs> that's Peter Chivarilli you're hearing talking, Tim and Jim on the Legacy Air Game Day show. So... Talking about that statue, I know there's a story about that and concerning your height and everything. Yeah. So tell, it's a great story. You might have told it before, but it's been a lot of years. Well, yeah. Once, Jim will get a kick out of this, Once too. they started, I had to fly down to Texas. Started to, doing the sculpting of the... Yeah, yeah, and check how it was coming along. So uh, when I went down there, um, you know, it, it was kind of like, um, you know, it, it was kind of a thing where I'm looking and the guys with me, uh, our tight end and our tackle, uh, Mike... Uh, John Dampier and Mike Creaney were both six five guys, mm -hmm. and I looked so little, so I made them make me. <laughs> I, I mean, I said, make make me about six two. So it, it was. It, it's, it's yeah, one, like see half, the privileges no, that no, you get. Half no, to no, a full no, foot no, here, no, but see, it, it help a guy out. No, in, in show business, we call that our our artistic. Uh, Art down, yeah. So. Artistic discretion. Yeah. So that's why. So when they had the unveiling. I remember both of those guys looked at me and they go, what the hell, you're almost as tall as we are. I said, well, <laughs> So, in the continue, and I love it, your stories or whatever, they, uh, Era's wife wanted to move that statue to. Yeah. Wait. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Um, that, that's okay. I, of I'll, course, I'll, that's I'll the ringtone. But, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, well, we're, we're on the road right now with the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's why. Um, you got to have the different sure. yeah. Out, yeah. But, any, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> what happened, the statue inadvertently got put um, kind of in a corner by the Aeroparsegian gate. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was uh, it, you couldn't get to it on Friday afternoon, so people wanted to take pictures with their mm -hmm. kids. So actually, you know, Notre Dame is, um, you know, you kind of have to go through the bureaucracy to get something done. And the fellow that would kind of be in charge, I found what I thought was a great location. And I said, look, I'm willing to pay to move it. And uh, it was actually um, Doug Marsh who handles that for Notre Dame. And he worked it out, and we got the statue put where it currently is, which was, you know, you, it's got access all the time. And sure. people could take pictures. But Era's wife later on, mm -hmm. the, the lower, the miniature version, when I first um, presented the idea, the first thing I did was call Era. And the idea came to me, not only that he was a great coach at Notre Dame, but he was fighting to save these kids' lives yes. from the Neiman pick. And I said, Coach, you know, I'd, I'd like to, um, you know, work on uh, getting a statue, but I want to make sure I got your approval. And he said, Peter, don't even buy. He goes, uh, they're not going to put a statue and everything. And I didn't realize at the time that there never had been a statue at Notre Dame of anybody still living. And, oh, you had, uh, and, okay. Yeah, and so it, to make a long story short, it took seven years of meetings and mm -hmm. everything 
before we finally got the final approval wow. uh, to do the statue. But uh, and and again, and that was all privately funded. Yeah. Well, yep. the only see when Leahy's guys did the statue, mm -hmm. um, they called everybody. They had a list of different donors, and sometimes donors would say, "Gee, it's nice, but I'm not interested," or whatever. But they might have had five guys call from. They had so many All Americans and stuff, mm -hmm. and they would call these people, and there was a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of people felt, uh, one in particular who was a close friend of mine was Frank Eck. And uh, he did a lot of stuff for Notre Dame, as you know. He built buildings and sure. baseball field and, and everything. Eck Center. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he just uh, didn't have that interest. And, he, you know, he said to me, um, God, you know, uh, it's not, it, it wasn't the amount of money. In fact, I bought one of the miniature statues. They were five thousand dollars because I thought it was great what they were doing, and that always stood in my mind that mm -hmm. if ever we did it, you know, something for era, you know, maybe we could do something like that. But the way it worked out, um, when they finally gave me permission, only players who played for him could donate. So it, uh, we we actually raised the money. I mean, so many guys, I, you know, myself, uh, Art Dicio, uh, everybody offered. To pay the whole thing, mm -hmm. and uh, Arrow said, "No, no, maximum is twenty-five thousand. I want anyone to give and and stuff like that." But we raised the money in probably I, I'd say less than a week. Wow, we had yeah. the money, and it it was pretty expensive. Uh, I I can't remember the exact. I think somewhere either three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand or right. something like right. that. And of course, uh, like I said, Aaron and the sculptor both liked that same picture. Arrow liked it. He didn't want a statue that he said, I don't want a statue where I look like a dictator. Mm -hmm. I want something with the kids that show victory. Mm -hmm. and, That's him. And yeah. And of course, um, the sculptor loved it because now it would be four figures instead of one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so and I so. think and that was Jerry McKenna, right? Yeah. Jerry McKenna. Yeah. yeah. And Jerry's the greatest. I mean, we, we're, yeah, we're still nice in touch. Guy. Yeah. And uh and everything, but that's, we finally got it approved. I remember, um, I think it was even the uh, Snipe Museum of Art mm -hmm. was right across the street where we wanted to originally put the statue, and they kind of had some objection. <clears throat> and I remember one of the meetings I went to over the years, uh, I said, I talked about all the things, how Arab brought Notre Dame football back mm -hmm. when he came in in 1964, right. all, the, all the great uh, success he had, and now how he was given up all his uh, prime time of his life to work on this Neiman Pick thing. Sure. And, uh, and of course, I probably alienated the snipe people because I said, <laughs> you don't want a statue for a guy that's done this many great things, and you got the twisted bumpers uh, <laughs> on, on, on your front lawn. So, you know. It's a fair argument. I mean, yeah, come uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Peter. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You no. Know, so, the, and then of course I used to go with Era, and I had the band play mm -hmm. one of the first big uh, benefits mm -hmm. to raise the money for Neiman Pick. Yeah. yeah. And we ultimately played a second one. We rarely, uh, you know, you just can't afford to move us. We got four tractor trailers. Right. It's a big process. But we did that first one, and we donated it to Era. And then years later, um, his uh, son and daughter-in-law uh, have you know, kept it going mm -hmm. to race. And now Notre Dame has taken over the presses. And uh, they've already, um, you know, have found a defective gene, which is a big part. Wow. And now they're working wow. on the yeah. cure. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I still donate to that. But I'm hoping that well, uh, 
they find it, you know. Chicago for years donated a proceed from every single ticket that they sold. You've right. raised millions of dollars for the Neiman. Yeah, well, you know, with the with the with the the two benefits and the money we raised, and then a lot of people, uh, even when we played some private parties, they would send checks into Notre Dame for the Aeroparsegian Foundation. Mm -hmm. So it's been something that we've been able to, you know, help with and keep right. it going and. Uh, it's always something that I'll, I'll always uh, donate to and help in any way I can. Uh, he was just great. And I, a couple of times I made trips with him where he went to raise money, mm -hmm. and we used to talk, and it, it was like the greatest, uh, the greatest times. And we always had a lot of fun, a lot of great stories. I don't know if you remember, there was a controversy about us going back to bowl games. Mm -hmm. And <coughs> what, the right. what the problem was, at that time, you had 105 guys on scholarship. Now it's down to 85, but then you had 105. Well, a lot of guys who might not have played or were maybe, you know, they looked at it like give up all their holiday time and go work, and they're not going to play. So there was like some guys, they weren't sure if they really think they wanted to go. So it was kind of a thing where no one knew for sure, and Eris said, okay, we're going to take a vote on this, you know, if – I want you guys to make sure you want to be there. He said, if, if you don't and, and the vote comes down negative, he said, uh, we're not going to go. But he said, uh, it'll be one of the biggest mistakes of your life. And of course, with that, he wanted to do it, make it real fair. And he called me on the side. He said, we're going to have a vote. All the players are going to get the vote. He said, I want you to count the votes. Oh, and, wow. he, and he said, count them like you do in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man, 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 man. Hey, this, I swear we could talk hours with you or whatever. We've got about two minutes left, and I don't know if you can get this story in or not. My wife, Chris, once that story repeated about how you and Chicago got started together. Well, we started in our neighborhood as young kids, and I knew them. And um, in those days, you used to go out and play clubs from, like, say, generally Tuesday or Wednesday through Sunday. And that was, like, the week. And, of course, if you caught real bad weather on the weekend, snow or a snowstorm or sure. something, well, the, the bar didn't do good, the clubs. And uh, what would happen, the owners didn't want to pay them. Mm -hmm. And they, they were kind of... You know, musicians, they were timid. Yeah. And they would say, oh, could you go talk to these guys? We, they owe us the money. They won't pay. So I used to go and say, look, you've got to pay these guys. And, of course, um, those um, th those clubs in those days in Chicago, uh, they weren't uh, – they were owned by what I call the mothers and fathers of Italian-Americans. <laughs> so if you, if you take the first letter. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So I got you. It took me a little while. Yeah. I get that. So – I used to go to her and say, hey, you got to pay these guys. So when I left in 67 to come to Notre Dame, uh, they left to go to California to get signed. And they did. And then uh, by the time I graduated, I mean, they were like, all during my time at Notre Dame, they were like the hottest band. And I used to say to people, oh, those are my friends. They go, ah, get out of here. You know? <laughs> so we, got, we got reunited. And again, it was due to era. The 73 game in Southern California, they were living there. And they wanted to come to the game, and I asked Era if I could bring him on the sidelines. And he said, yeah, but watch him in case someone comes out of bounds. I don't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> and uh, we did it, and then we got reunited. Yeah. And then from there, I started working with him, and then I took over the whole management. Uh, I worked with the managers 
at, at that time who are still uh, Irving Azoff and uh, still my good friends and in the business. So about 50 years then that you've been doing that? Well, I, well a, actual manager, uh, just just over 40. 40. But That's I was, a long I time. was always associated yeah. close with them. But, right, right. But, uh, yeah. Well, Peter, thank you so much. I know you got your golf cart here, but it's not a golf cart. It's a bus cart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You can handle a lot of people Man. in here, but I know you always entertain people at your house. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking that time to come over here more than you more than you know. My, my but, pleasure. Well, you guys well, got a great And you show. and I will stay in touch and stuff, too. So For sure. Tell real quick, uh, Chicago is going to be in Vegas. When? Yeah, uh, we start uh, – about uh, later in February, in the early March, we're at the Venetian there. in 2024. So, right, right. when will tickets go on sale for that? You got any idea? Uh, they'll probably start. I, I'd imagine December or okay. you know so. And then, of course, next year is it, we, we're having a tremendous year this year. We always do over 100 shows. Uh, we got 102 this year. 94 completely sold out. Jeez. Next year, though, is going to be real big. We're going to tour again with uh, our buddies, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, wow. And uh, We'll be there for that. That's yeah. Woo, well, after yeah. Chicago, Earth, Wind, Fire is our second favorite. So, right. Peter Chevrolet, thank you. Go have a great day today. Okay. Go thank Irish. And we'll you. be right back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT with Bob Morton. Okay, you know what? I just don't play old music. I play a little Rihanna, Beyonce. You know, i got to have a little something going there. Variety is Come on, let's go and see that shuffle. No. <laughs> you got up. Man, you got some long. Those must be nice fits around your calves very well, what oh, you're yeah. wearing. Yeah. Good shoes, too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, this is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. The 50... I take care of some things. I don't, yeah. care, I don't take care of the, of the entire body, but the legs, you're the legs not. are good. And it's a beautiful day today. You know, I wasn't sure shorts are long, but I went with jeans today. But it is. It's a beautiful day for a home game. Going to be about 73 degrees at kickoff time, partly cloudy to cloudy. Um, I'm excited. My wife and friends were going to a game. We haven't been to a game for a number of years. So there's people down here in Eddy Street Commons. We're right across from five guys in between Urban Outfitters and the Brew Burger Bar. <clears throat> Next week, remember, 2 to 4 p.m. for the Ohio State game. Opening guest is Joe Theismann, and we got a whole lot of others scheduled, too. All right, so let's get to our next guest. He's been patiently listening to Peter Chivarilli and uh, goes to Peter Chivarilli's room, I'm sure, sometimes. Of course, everything. yeah. And that would be uh, Bob Morton. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be back with you guys. You, too. Hey, first of all, tell remind everybody again what your current position is because – Home games aren't just fun for you. you got business to take care of. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'd be here every week if I could, but I'm flying around campus anytime we've got a, a home game Saturday. I work in development for the university, and uh, so uh, I'm uh, trying to bring in scholarship dollars and, and lower kind of the, the, the pressure of inflation on tuition here at Notre Dame. And so I'm out in Boston every other week, uh, based here in South Bend. Boston. Yeah, out in Call Boston. Call me a cab. <laughs> every couple of weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so I'm, I'm hosting um, just countless families on a football weekend. And so this is a little bit quieter because everybody's yeah. coming next week. Right. But uh, still, uh, uh, like you said, what an outstanding day sure to play is. some football. Yeah. Mid-70s with uh, just uh, without the, the, the beating sun, it's going to be a great day. What's um – what do you hear a lot when you're talking from people? Are anybody asking you, like, oh, give me the true story about Notre Dame or something? When you're taking people around, what's the what's the gist of things? Yeah, I think everybody wants to know, like, where the cracks are at Notre Dame, <laughs> yeah. right? Sure. I think that when you come to campus, everything's so pristine and, and well manicured and taken care of 
that people want to know, like, okay, what does it look like behind the curtain? And yeah, I've worked in a lot of different places uh, over the course of my career. And uh, being here at the university, one of the things that makes me proudest is, you know, when you pull back the curtains, like truly the, the people that are running the show in various areas around campus, mm -hmm. uh, they embody Notre Dame as much as anybody who's in front of a camera. Sure. And so, um, you know, I like to, I like to talk about uh, Coach Freeman. I think Coach Freeman has been a very impressive human being. Uh, uh, since, right. since we've had a camera on him. Yeah. But what's even more impressive is he's an impressive human being regardless of whether the camera's on him or not. And that is just true of so many people around campus. So that's what that's what I get to talk about, right, right? is, you know, you can look as close as you want to for cracks in the system, yeah. but but things really are uh, – there's a, there's a heart to this place right. that beats pretty strongly for Notre Dame. Well, in all these years I've been doing it, I, I, I haven't had it in a while, but I, people used to come up and say, oh, you know what, these guys, Notre Dame guys, are probably, you know, all stuck up and everything like that. And I said, no, they're actually just the kind of people you would want them to be if you had an athlete that you revered. They yeah. are. They're, every single one of them, they're nice. They take time to talk to people, sign autographs, take pictures. They're not, you know, get away from me or any. They're just great people. Yeah, I think the, the, the mission of Notre Dame is to be a force for good in the world, mm -hmm. um, to, to exist in spheres where um, – you know, we can feel a little hopeless at times and bring some hope and light into some dark places. What I love is, before I even knew that was really Notre Dame's mission, that was what we were called to do as student athletes, to serve our community, to serve our world, uh, to learn how to engage with the millions of fans we would come in contact with that were having some dark times that just needed a little bit of light and hope. And so that's communicated to us as we come here to play. And, and I truly believe it's something that sets Notre Dame apart is there's just that integrity through and through every athlete that's here. Um, there's, there's something a little bit deeper. There's something special about the, the men that are on that field, the women that are playing uh, their sports on, on their respective fields and courts as well. This is the Legacy Heat Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're talking with uh, Bob Morton. So, Bob, you were an offensive lineman in the uh, early to mid 2000s Bush Push game? Yep, that was one of them. So what do you remember about that game? Uh, I mean, you, you just look at that, that entire game. Um, I remember uh, punt return before halftime. Reggie Bush ran for like 75 yards but only gained four. You know, like I just <laughs> – He I, was going back I, yeah, east it, and west, right? I mean, truly, you, you see film on somebody like that, and you're like, I think that's the most impressive film I've ever seen. And then you see him live, and you're like, it's, it, the film didn't do him justice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the the punt return from Tommy Z, and then that was the moment of Zipikowski. us. Yep. Okay. That was all of us thinking like, oh man, we can we can do this. This could happen. Yeah. Like we knew going into the game that we were a, a team to be reckoned with. Where were you guys ranked at that time? I, I I I think we might have been top ten or just outside. Okay. I remember we climbed in the rankings even after losing that game because they were number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. they hadn't lost in two years, right? right? A year and a half at that point. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, Tommy Z uh, brought that one back. I remember being down one score and, um, and, and our, our offense going down the field and, and Brady tucking that one and getting in the end zone and still not being able to feel settled just because, you know, you got a minute something it's left. USC. It's USC, There was time right? on the clock, and it was USC at that point. Yeah, yeah. and then I remember the sack uh, that Trevor Laws had on Matt Leinert mm -hmm. and being on the sideline thinking, like, are we are we going to do it? Yeah. Are we going to get it done? But still feeling like something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And then watching, you know, my brother Ambrose Wooden 
with the best coverage of his entire career. Oh, I know. Right? He was yeah. he was yeah. on it. He missed that ball. He tried to make the tackle, yep. and and Dwayne Jarrett, you know, took it down and realizing, okay, this is this is going to come down to the wire. And that play was like fourth and nineteen. Yeah, it was a yeah. Four, right? something yeah. like that. Fourth and ungodly. Yeah. I was at that game. We were in the northwest corner, and we could everybody stood up. We could not see the mm. pass get good. It's like, no way. How did that get through? I mean, yes. there, was, there was no window there. Yes. And then, you know, there's the, you know, figuring out, like, how things went. Like, I, you know, Liner was – or yeah, Liner had fumbled the ball out of bounds. Right. So he was hit at about the half-yard line. The ball went out at about the three. Mm-hmm. If you give him forward progress and run the clock, the game's over. Yeah. If you put the ball at the three and stop the clock – I mean, Reggie Bush has averaged like seven yards a carry this game, so maybe right. they still get in. Yeah, but, but it, it, it you would like to have seen that try. I would, I would have loved <laughs> to have seen a real play and yeah. not and not just a quarterback sneak and you know, kind of a scrum into the end zone. But you know, it, it it's it's one of those things that you can appreciate as an all-time game, mm-hmm. even though I can still feel the emotions and you know. Uh, it's it's unfortunate when like the only game that people remember of my you know four-year career <laughs> is that one. But hey, I'm not. I'm not bitter that you brought it up. So, <laughs> was was Brady Quinn your quarterback your whole career? Um, so uh, I like, yeah. So Brady um, came in. I think it was game three or four. His freshman, my sophomore year, was the first year um, that I was on the field. I had a guy by the name of Jeff Fain, uh, who was uh, who I decided to let keep his position at center my first year. I told him that last night. That was so, did you, that yeah, was so nice. To let I you said, keep you know, it. Jeff, I like I like to think that that. Um, you know, I'm responsible for your illustrious career <laughs> by allowing you to be an All-American center that that you know, that last year. Um, but uh, yeah, so Carlisle Holiday was my quarterback the first few oh. games. Carlisle, just an amazing athlete. athlete yes, um, and and even better dude. I mean, I can't I can't mm-hmm. speak enough about about him. I think Brady came in. We weren't a very well put together offense. Um, I, we weren't a very complicated offense, but his ability to really fire the ball across the middle, hit the intermediate 12 to 17-yard routes and um, throw the ball a little bit further than we were doing regularly gave us a sense of hope in what was otherwise kind of a pretty down year and uh, just hope that we'd be able to put some wins on the board. And, you know, fast forward to his third and fourth, my fourth and fifth year, um, you know, 19 wins in two years. We would have liked to have gotten a couple more of those or maybe, you know, finished a year off a little bit better. But uh, I think we did some good things. I always like to say we won a whole lot of games. We just couldn't win one of the important ones. Sure. <laughs> what about um, your coach, Charlie Weiss? Yeah, yeah. So I had two coaches. Ty Willingham those first three years was really thankful for just a man. Coach Willingham was um, really helped me to kind of understand how to be a man of, of character and faith and values. Um, you know, early on in my college career, being away from home, I was really thankful for that. Uh, Charlie came in at a time and inherited an offense uh, of characters anyway that uh, would all make a push to go to the NFL, right? So the, the people I played with my fourth and fifth year, I think like 90% of, of that team went to, to at least make a practice squad yeah, or play amazing. multiple years. Yeah. Um, I, I, you look at, I think John Sullivan might still be suiting up, right? I mean, I think, I think he just retired a few years ago. I think so, too. He was the longest guy uh, on, on that team outside of a long snapper. Um, who's still playing now. Um, So he brought in an offensive scheme that we were mentally ready for. We needed something more complicated. He brought that, and he brought a confidence. I'll never forget the first, you know, pregame speech Charlie gave us was, you guys are the better team. It's time to go show the world you're the better team. Mm -hmm. 
that was that was the volume that was the confidence that Mm -hmm. was the level we prayed we went out there and and we had a different offense than we'd had previously we were ready to go um and so yeah i think that he was he was perfectly built for the the two years that that i was there and then when you started to see maybe some of the gaps in player development later on, yeah. I think that that showed some of the gaps that he had in his, his coaching style. Would it be fair to say him trying to coach younger men was a lot different than he was trying to coach, obviously, in, in the pros, and he found it more difficult to, to do that? Yeah, I think, I, mean, I think there are different styles of coaching, right? Like you've got, even now, um, you've got guys who have a lot of success, like a, a P.J. Fleck you know, a few years ago, who really just was the emotional leader. I, you know, go out to Colorado right now with Coach Prime, Deion oh, yeah, Sanders. Yeah. You know, that kind of father figure, like uh-huh. helping people learn what it means to take it personal and, and, you know, put it out there on the field. And then you've got the CEO-style coach, right? You've got the, the Nick Sabans and, and a lot of the folks that are kind of following in his footsteps that it's not, it's not their job to carry these 17-, 18-year-olds and help them progress, but they run the system – of assistants that are really, really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie brought in an excellent like coaching system that can take someone who's operating at 80% and bring them to 90 or 100%. But when you get a 17, 18-year-old who doesn't understand that offense, you've got to build them from 0 to 10% yeah. up to 80 right. really fast. Yeah. And when you lose four offensive linemen that were fourth or fifth-year guys and you don't get that 0 to 80 uh, you're you're going to be lacking quite a bit, and I think that's what you saw. We were never really able to develop from high school to complete college team in terms of the system. Who as an opponent was the toughest person to block? And um, I'm sure there might be a number of people, but yeah, you know. So I I uh, that answer is a fewfold. Um, I think we all have memories of things that are hard for us, and some. They're hard because of the preparation we have to put into it. Some are hard because, for whatever reason, any day we see that challenge, we just weren't having a good day. Um, USC had a nose guard named Cedric Ellis that I was able to play for four years in a row, went and had an NFL career there with the Saints, um, and I loved playing against Ced. He was by far the best player I played against on a regular basis, and uh, I always felt like, I played best against him. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the best of me sometimes. I got the best of him sometimes. When Fair he, enough. When he was on the ground, I helped him up and vice versa. There was just a, a connectivity there. I mean, we never beat USC while I was mm-hmm. there, but, I mean, we tried. Right, <laughs> so, sure. So I, I loved going against him and the challenge that he provided. Um, but for me, I would say the, the worst film that I had year in and year out was always Michigan State. I mean, uh, thanks Spartans. They they played they played a brand of bully ball on defense that for whatever reason it it got under my skin, it got in my head a little bit. And just looking back, I always felt like there was something about my game that was off right. against Michigan State. And so um, so yeah, you, you so, weren't there in one of the games where they planted their yeah. So that yeah, was we, you? Yeah, okay, we were, we were there. I was there when they planted the flag here. And then we went up there and beat them in the rain right. the following year. Yeah. And, and they thought we were going to stoop to their level and plant a flag. Right. But, I mean, it's, it's all right to go ahead, beat a team and then remind them that you're better than they are. So we, right. just, we just kind of stood there and watched them as they crossed their arms around their logo. So who's the toughest one that you had to play against in practice? I, I mean, it, it could be anybody, right? Like Trevor Laws. Um, I mean, Trevor was a, 
All-American wrestler as a high schooler, so you could get your hands on him and he'd be able to get, get your hands off. Like, he'd win that hand fight uh, all the time. But uh, Derek Landry was, was a guy who played a little bit of nose, a little bit of three technique, and I, I could never get him figured out. You know, I think <laughs> I, – I, and I say that because, like, like on paper – He's not that much faster than me. Then right. why why is he so quick out of his stance? Mm-hmm. He's not that much stronger than me. Why is he moving me backwards? <laughs> you know, and and what I what I didn't like about going against Derek Landry when we did one on like ones versus ones, is I knew that I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest, but I kind of hung my hat on the fact that I might be one of the smartest guys in this field. And you use that, yeah. So if I can get this guy to think the ball's running to his right but it's actually going to go to his left. Mm-hmm. I don't have to work real hard. Mm-hmm. I just got to make him think it's going that way. He sniffed me out every <laughs> time. Here he thought you had Every time. He knew what I was going to do before I did. And so, <laughs> yeah, he played, he played that mental game really well, but that didn't take away from the fact that he was NFL ready and, and had mm-hmm. himself a great career on the inside uh, with the Jaguars for the most part. This is Game Day at WSBT. We're with Bob Morton, former Fighting Irish O-lineman. And for a number of years now, he's the go-to guy for everybody in local media to talk about the <laughs> offensive lineman. You're everywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah. I started pulling up our, your name on there, and I was like, oh, he's with Eric Hansen. He's with Irish Illustrated. He's good. What makes you good at what you do? I know you're very articulate when we've had you on, and you, and you truly are and stuff, but um, what makes you comfortable in, in, in doing that analyst? Yeah, it's been, so it's been a lot of fun. I would say, I mean, this year even more than in years past, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, seizing these opportunities and kind of leaning in uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more to uh, sports sports analysis and broadcasting uh, and something I might uh, be able to continue to lean into in the future. I think what I, I try to bring to the table um, is making what can be a really complicated game a little more approachable. Um a lot of people are going to read articles about the offensive line that they're this or that. They're great. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. They're young. They're inexperienced. They're two tackles and nobody inside. Like right. what, I mean, whatever somebody wants to write, somebody's going to read. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but there's a lot of nuance and um, what these players do well and what mistakes they're making. And I think when people realize that a bad offensive lineman, with air quotes, is somebody who makes ten mistakes a game, they're running 80 plays and 70 of them they're doing a great job sure. then then the question is not why are they bad the question is okay what's the reason for those 10 mistakes mm-hmm. and if there's a thread that goes through those 10 mistakes I try and identify it and I try and tell people this is what this player is doing um, you know Monday to Friday so that that mistake doesn't happen on Saturday and, uh, and so I just I try and make the game a little more approachable and break it down that way. And for whatever reason, a couple of my stories make people laugh. Some of my analysis <laughs> makes people uh, excited. And, uh, and it's been, like I said, it's been a good year for Bob in terms of some of the, the sports analysis stuff. All right, on the clock, two minutes. One minute to tell us what other things are doing wrong right now. Yeah, so, I mean, not a lot, right? I think the biggest thing for me – um, I, I was asked this the other day, and I tried to remind people that we've all experienced being in a place where you, you don't think, right? The best way I can think of it is like a, a, a three-point shooter in basketball. If you give a three-point shooter plenty of time and they get to think about the shot, mm-hmm, their sure. odds of making that shot go down. If they right. catch in rhythm and just pull it like it's part of their DNA, 
that that's going through the net, not hitting anything. Else. Ice in the kicker. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to take them out of so their groove. Get, if you can get out of your head and just mm -hmm. let your body flow, you're going to be better. I think when you are new at a position, our guards, left and right, first-year guys, not experienced in a lot of game days, um, I think there are moments that they kind of overthink the defense they're going against. You see a lot of second-level blocking assignments missed where there's a double team on a nose guard and then both linemen leave and go to the linebacker and the nose guard makes the tackle. Or two guys on a nose guard and nobody gets the scraping linebacker who comes in and makes the tackle. And so uh, we just need to get to a place where they feel confident in the play calls and the assignments. They feel confident in the defense they're going against, which will be easier now that we're not facing a 3-3-5 from North Carolina State, which is a chaotic defense. Mm -hmm. If we can get them out of their head and just comfortable with the flow of their bodies, they're going to fall into more blocks than they're going to miss. So I think you covered kind of what's, what's, what's good there. Let me ask you about depth. All five offensive line positions, are you comfortable with the backups on each of those positions? Uh, so I would say yes. I, and the reason why I say yes is we're recruiting Notre Dame offensive linemen, mm -hmm. right? So um, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, are we going to lose five offensive linemen and need to bring in six through ten, right? It's, it's what do you do in the instance that somebody goes down. We've got tackles that behind um, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt that actually have game experience before they went with the young guys a couple years ago. Um, you know, so Tosh Baker can line up at four positions if he needed to. Um, you know, you've got some experience, some age, Billy Shrouth at the guard position. Um, we've got a plug-and-play ability. We haven't had to use that yet. And so I don't wish that any of these five are going to have a problem at all. Um, but I believe Coach Rudolph has a plan, a contingency plan, a contingency for that contingency mm -hmm. plan. Right. And uh, you just you kind of roll with it and hope that if there's an injury that you're able to address it during the week and not like between the third and fourth right. quarter. Yeah. Do you like Marcus's philosophy that to build that depth in practice? They're actually running the twos and threes against the number ones rather than there's always number one, number one. Yeah, I think I think you have to. I think when you know going ones versus ones, uh, there's an there's an element where it's self defeating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think I think ones when you're going against twos and threes, um, you're getting a good look. You're you're going against guys who want to prove themselves. Right. You're going against guys who know what game speed is. Right. Um, but at the same time, those twos and threes are getting a look at the best player they're going to play against. Mm -hmm. And then when you flip that, and you've got your two and three offensive line in going against number ones. You've now given them experience against somebody who's better than the guy they're going to see in a game. And so if that happens where all of a sudden in the third quarter you got to put in your backup center or a right guard or left tackle, whomever it might be, they can at least rest on the fact that, man, the guy I went against in practice this week is better than that dude. And if they can have that confidence, they can get out of their, their, their head. They can just let the body flow. And, again, they, they will be more apt to take care of their assignment by not thinking about it. Well, I can see why everybody wants you to <laughs> analyze. So if you ever need this tape to submit to somebody, you know what? We'll just erase, Let us know. We'll, we'll erase the bush push part and then we'll <laughs> kind of move on. <laughs> well, Bob, thank you. I know, once again, you're, you're out there doing your job today, and thank you for taking time today to just to talk with us. Always love having you. Love it. Thank you guys so much. I love the way you guys do your job, and I'm always enjoying when I get to – to come and, and watch your work. Uh, I appreciate that. You guys be well. Thank you. You too. Is this what That's we, is Bob that, is Morton. Is that what we call it? We call it work? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. We're okay. just having fun. Just like two guys <laughs> talking at a bar. Hey, we'll be right back.
on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming at WSBTRadio.com, through the WSBT Radio app, and also through Twitch. Hey, we're back here to wrap up the game day show, the Legacy Heat and Air game day show. Once again, we're across from five guys, so it's almost burger time, or we're next to the Brew Burger Bar, or next to Urban Outfitters. Mark all that down, write it down, next week, 2 to 4 p.m., Ohio State game. Opening guests, Joe Theismann and the Notre Dame Bagpipers are scheduled to be here. I always got to say schedule because you never know what's going to happen, but... Uh, I do know what's happening today. It's my lovely wife's birthday today, and I don't know if it's... Um, She's not even listening now. <laughs> happy birthday, Chris. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. We want to thank Matt Embry back in the studios, Bob Henning, our engineer, and account executive, and award-winning broadcaster Brian Miller. Jim Merzeri and I want to thank all the guests for joining us also. Make plans once again to join us next week from 2 to 4 p.m. at Eddy Street Common. It's the Ohio State game. Guests will include Joe Theismann and many others. For Jim Arizari, this is Tim Growl. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSBT. Light them up. This has been Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio, 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner with hometown values. Martin Supermarkets, count on us. Gate Chevrolet in South Bend and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. Two locations, twice as many Chevrolets, one great name, Gates. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 232-9981. Centier Bank. Discover a better way to save with Centier Bank. Weaver Heating and Cooling. They install the best and replace the rest. Pet Refuge. Adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Sherwood Tire, U.S. Highway 30 in Plymouth, your one stop for complete auto care for over 50 years. Floor Coverings International, we bring the floor store to your door. And Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. This is Notre Dame Football, presented by South Bend Orthopedics on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 